Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Level Up Human, the comedy science podcast, souping up the homo sapien. Welcome to Level Up Human, the show that looks at the human race and tries to figure out how we can make it better. We are live at the Latitude Festival for a Welcome and Endocrinology Society special. We're taking suggestions from our panel, from the audience here at Latitude, and from the natural world to work out exactly what the next stage in human evolution should be. I'm your host, Simon Watt, and today I'm joined by three corpses in waiting in the form of our guests. Tonight's judge, deciding exactly what idea we should take forward and what we should incorporate into future editions of our species, it is Stuart Goldsmith! Not dead yet. Stuart is an award-winning comedian and also the host of the amazing podcast, The Comedian's Comedian. Before we get into it, because you're going to be hearing from experts who are going to give you their ideas for the next stage of human evolution, what kind of thing are you hoping to hear? I would like to hear things that will make us ready for space travel. But I'm also after a little bit of crazy flair, uh, a bit of... A bit of solar flare. I regret that immediately. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, I, I would like to see s- some sort of, like, vacuum-proof human... So, you know those little nibbly... I think they're called tardigrades? Yeah. Mm. They're like little nibbly... Like a sort of space woodlouse. I'm not an expert in anything. And uh, they are able to survive in the vacuum of space. So something along those lines, but also a little bit of flare. So maybe, like, able to survive in the vacuum of space and have a hat, something like that. Well, I can see why you're giving up on planet Earth when we see it right now, so that's a good choice. We're also joined by Anna Plajewski. Hello. Anna is a material science engineer and science communicator. She's also got an amazing podcast out called Real Talk, which is not spelt like Real Talk. Please explain it to her. Yeah, audience. so it's a visual pun for an audio medium, which I regretted pretty much as soon as I put the podcast out. <laughs> so the podcast is spelt apostrophe R-I-A-L, as in material talk. Um, and we talk about materials and material science. So I invite on guests who have something to do with the material. We've had a stand-up comedian who's obsessed with aluminium. We've had a dentist talking about mercury. And upcoming, I've got Andrew from Bake Off coming on to talk about foams, which is going to be delicious, hopefully. I have to also ask here, because it says that you're planning to do a postdoc in smart materials and soft robotics. Yes. What is a soft robot other than one wearing a vest? 
<laughs> well, a soft robot is just a robot made out of a soft material. So these are things like plastics or like rubber, that kind of thing. Um, and they have all sorts of applications. A lot of them are biomedical, actually. Um, so like uh, materials that are going to be biocompatible with the human body are, are really valuable for, for all sorts of medical reasons. Wonderful. And we are also finally joined on my far right here by Dr. Charles Yu. Hello. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, Giles, you're a neuroscientist and a geneticist who's at Cambridge University, and you study the brain control of body weight. What, what does that actually mean? Do you spend all day staring at cakes? I, I, just in case you get into an uh, existential cupcake crisis, I'm the person you call. You know, I, I, no, I, I do. Sorry, I, my life. <laughs> I know. I'm a reductionist, so I study how the brain circuits control food intake, you know, why some people like chocolate, why some people don't, that kind of thing. That's what I do. There are people who don't like chocolate? Is, yeah, I know, exactly. My wife, she's like a stinger missile with chocolate. I can, like, take or leave chocolate. Why is that the case? I don't know why, why that's the case. But that's interesting. Well, and we're, of course, also joined by our wonderful audience here at the Speakeasy Tent at Latitude Festival. Brilliant. Now, before we delve into the future and try and get all sci-fi and see what things we would like in our species, to stay realistic and to look at the here and now, each of our panel have brought along a news story. Can we start with you, Anna? What is your news story? Of course, right. My news story is about ticks. Yes? So, some material scientists, I guess, like saw a tick on somebody's body and they were like, hey, this guy is sticking to this body really well. Um, and so they decided to look into it more. These researchers were in Austria, um, and they found that the material that a tick uses to stick onto somebody's body is actually quite a remarkable bioadhesive. So it's just a sticky substance made by an animal. Um, and they found that this material actually could be really useful for um, all sorts of uses in the human body. So um, they're thinking of putting like tick secretions or like the synthetic version of that, um, used to stick like tendons to bone. I'll be honest with you, Anna, I have never produced anything and wished it was stickier. Oh, tone! No, 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 nothing dodgy like that. I mean, just in terms of... Five minutes into this. Why why (laughs) would we need this? She was talking about saucy rubber robots earlier on. We were all thinking the same thing, and we were all (laughs) polite enough not to mention it. (laughs) Is is this like Gorilla Glue? You know know how those ads in which they hang the gorilla elephants off, but but Gorilla Glue, but for your tendons. So instead of sewing you, instead instead of piercing you with sharp objects, they... They glue something together. So, yeah, it's, it's to replace something like titanium. So usually when you want to stick a tendon to a bit of bone that's come off. Yeah. Why, do, why do you need titanium for this? I don't, I'm so you use titanium screws to screw a tendon back into a bone if it's come off. Oh, you see, here was me thinking it was something a bit like Spider-Man, that we were going to be like producing things. Well, hey, that's not to say that we couldn't use it like Spider-Man. It's a less impressive advert. This glue can stick a tick to a wall. Look at that. <laughs> pull the tick. You can really pull it hard. It's a very small... Now buy tick glue. Wonderful. Okay, actually, can we... Tick tape? <laughs> I don't want to say that fast. <laughs> Let's go to you, Stuart. What is your news story? What fascinates you? Uh, I have found out about asteroid mining. We, yeah. You should all cheer. We'll do that again. Asteroid mining. Whoa. You don't even know what it is, but you can literally mine asteroids. Yep. There's asteroids. They're made of stuff. Some of them are made of dirt and earth. Some of them, it turns out, are made of pure platinum or nickel, or other useful stuff I can't name immediately. But you can, if you can be bothered, it's not be bothered, if you can make it sufficiently uh, inexpensive to fly to an asteroid, um, then you can just mine it 
and bring all the stuff back. Why aren't you as excited about this as I am? This, well, the, other, the other very exciting thing about this is that um, the Space Act, President Obama signed the Space Act, which means that now if you privately mine something in space, even though space belongs to everybody, if you've done the mining of it, it belongs to you. So America have got that rule, so they, they, they've got that law. The only other country that has that law is Luxembourg. What are they hiding? What are they secret? Have they got secret chocolate asteroids? What's going on, Luxembourg? Why are you the only people? Oh, no, we all, they already had signed up to it. So you can go to asteroids and you can mine stuff. And the, the implications of that are incredible because if you can get, rather than ship a load of metal into space in order to build stuff, if you 3D print something out of a load of, um, uh, name a useful metal, iron, you can... <laughs> not useful. Is that one? Is that not really. useful? Steel. I was going to say steel, but that's, but that's not an element. Is it? But you could make Titanium. it in space. Yeah. So you could, uh, uh, you can basically, the reason spaceships look like they do at the moment is because they have to have the oomph to leave the Earth's atmosphere. But if you can 3D print something in space, it doesn't need to survive going through the atmosphere and it can be infinitely long and tall. What are you so going to be 3D printing? You have to take... Massive space dildos. Can I say, I probably can't <laughs> say that. But like lattice ones, really beautiful ones that go on forever. With this saucy rubber robots <laughs> running up and down corridors. This is actually the start of the film Alien. They're, they're space miners, isn't that correct? That's right. The film Alien. Yes. And it's I, I know how badly that ended, and I'm still excited about it. The thing about space mining is that we have all the materials that we need on Earth. So why would we want to mine in space? Because they're, they're running out. We're nearly out of helium. With no more birthday parties for little kids. There's loads of helium in space. How are you going to get helium back to Earth? I'm not. I'm going to have a party in space. Weren't you listening? On my enormous lattice structure, which is infinitely wide. Well, I'm convinced. So, Giles, what's your news story? So, my news story is, uh, involves Gwyneth Paltrow and, and um, her website, Goop. Now, I'm not trying to get myself sued. The story is that NASA have been forced to actually refute one of her claims. She sells these stickers on her website. They're stickers, just stickers, but made of carbon fiber, which puts on you, and apparently it gives off some wave. I don't know what wave it is, but some wave frequency. And it's supposed to interact with your frequency and then cure things like high blood pressure and... <laughs> and 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 here's, here's here's the best thing. Apparently, it's made yeah exactly. It's made of carbon fiber, and the reason why NASA was forced to respond was because she said, or at least Goop said, that this stuff lines the insides of astronaut um, uh, outfit suits so that it senses things like heart rates and things. So, so NASA had to say two things. They had to say a. It's that's the that's that's the second thing they said. B BS. I'll use for the family friendly B BS. But the first thing they said is our astronaut suits are not lined with carbon fiber. So she even got that part wrong. And anyway, it doesn't make any sense. In fact, let me show you. I'm just completely randomly. Can I bring this up? So yeah. I actually have a. I don't know if you guys know what this is, but this is a continuous glucose monitor. So this is a patch that actually works. The for reason I had that... For our people home, can you describe what we're seeing here, Stu? Uh, yeah, he's uh, got... It looks like he's an apple human. So it's a, a, a small white disc that is attached to Giles's left upper arm, and he 
presses a tiny device on it which looks like a remote control. Oh, it is an off switch. Is it an off switch? No, it's not an off switch. Don't it's, switch it's, off it's, for guests. <laughs> yeah. It's a sensor thing. So these things are used typically by diabetics in order to actually measure their glucose constantly. Now, just just to, the reason why there's a camera there is because I mean, we're filming something for Trust Me, I'm a Doctor, in which we're trying to see whether stress, and this is a stressful situation for me trying to be funny, raises my blood glucose levels. Okay, so, so if I press it and it says, check glucose, and Giles is uh, pressing the beep. device to his arm a bit yeah. like pain. And, and then it gives a number. And so anyway, so this is an example of a patch that actually works, but there's a little tiny needle that is actually stuck into me, you know, so I can't flex my big muscles, and it tells me my glucose. Anyway. Can I just ask, Giles, is that the solution to having to inject yourself a couple of times a day? is you just have one permanent injection where the needle stays inside you the entire time. Pretty much. That, that, to me, sounds less pleasant than just occasionally sticking it in you. It's surprisingly pleasant, or, or, or surprisingly not unpleasant. I know, of, um, I know of some tech which is actually trying to do something similar, if I've got this right, using tears, where they're trying to... Yeah, so, so Google, um, well, I don't know if it's marketed yet, but I know that Google are developing a contact lens, exactly that, that actually senses the, the glucose in your tears and then pings it via Bluetooth to, to your phone. Wow. Um, and to, so I don't know where they are with that, but this is like real tech. This is now tech. Hi, I'm Ash. On the thing about continuous glucose monitoring, I'm diabetic, type 1 myself, uh, and I'm also a pedant. And so I just wanted to go with the suggestion that um, having a continuous glucose monitor means that you don't have to inject as many times a day. That's wrong because the injection is what delivers insulin. So you still would have to do injections if you didn't also have a pump. But if you have a continuous glucose monitor, all it means is you don't have to prick yourself in the finger to get blood out. So, okay, maybe let's take this forward. Giles, could we upgrade the thing which is currently on your arm to something which both make monitors and delivers. Yes, yes we can. Actually, I've got colleagues in my institute at the moment who have one of these, then this is the, the, the sensor bit, and that's at least one less breaking of the, of, of the skin, and actually paired it with, uh, with, with a pump. So it's called an artificial pancreas, and what he's done now is he's a mathematician, and he's actually done the algorithm linking the changes in glucose in real time to the amount of insulin that's personalized to you to actually try and, and, and control it. The problem is it's a big, huge thing at the moment, so it's, you can't like travel to a, to a festival for it. But once we miniaturize it, once we, once it's miniaturized, then you could actually have linked this to a pump and an algorithm, and it should be able to at least have um, type 1 diabetics not have to inject themselves all the time. Yeah, I, I really want that. It'd be good. Well, one day, sir, and it's not that far off. That one. It's not that far off. I, w I would probably say it's probably five to ten years away of being weaponized enough to, to, to be... Weaponized. I love it when Giles says weaponized. Yeah. <laughs> Can you say it again for us, Giles? Weaponized. <laughs> oh, wasn't that good? Look, anyway, that's what's in the news. That is what is happening now. But what would we like to see incorporated into our species? Let's take our suggestions first from our panel here, and then we'll come to you out in the audience to give us your ideas as well. Uh, can we start this time with you, Giles? What is your pitch? What would you like to see in Human 2.0? In Human 2.0, and this is looking at myself in a mirror, I would like to edit my genes to make me thinner. I'll make all humans thinner. <laughs> now, that is a very different pitch. <laughs> I just want the ability to edit my own genes. Good night. <laughs> G-E-N-E-S -E and not J-E-A-N-S. Yeah. Okay, so we did get one boo from the audience there. So justify yourself to them. Explain what's so good about being thin and why do you want to do genetically? 
I study obesity, and I think clearly obesity is a real big problem at the moment. It's a huge driver to all kinds of different diseases, and I think we got to fix the problem. So I think we got to throw it out there. I think I think we can debate it, and and clearly I'm trying to be controversial here, but um, I, I think it's something that we need to do to try and fix obesity. I'm throwing gene editing out there. Let's see what we can do. If you can, if you can edit genes. Mm. Why obesity? Why would obesity be your first point of call, given that uh, people's obesity is like? Are you talking about morbid, like dangerous obesity, rather than just kind of trimming off? Because you're not. You, for the benefit of the listener, you are a, a extremely healthy-looking young man. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I but, feel you really know, awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, um, you know, you're not the uh, kingpin. I think that what, what we're beginning to find out in something like obesity is, yes, while morbid obesity, the kind of obesity that people get crated out with a crane from, you know, by using a fire, the, the fire department, it's, it's what makes the, the, the news and what makes it on Channel 5 and people go, ooh. But the thing is, you know, okay, let's just, let's just go with this, okay? I'm, I'm, I've got thick skin. What? So BMI is body mass. Have index. you edited your genes to create thick skin? Is that what you're? I've got thick skin too. There's like there's that there's like a right. What BMI do you think I am? I don't know. That's an airline, as far as oh, I understand. Is that is that? A, <laughs> is that a, what is my, so so how it does anyone? So what BMI do you think I am? I've got no idea. Oh, this is a very strange. Can we get guesses? Guess. This is an auction. Do I hear twenty-eight? You, I hate you all. Stand up so they can see you properly. They need to know your height. Look at my trim, you know, 25. Okay, the lady, I'm going to go with lady in front of 25. No, my, my, my point is my BMI is 27, and BMI of about between 25 and 30 is supposed to be overweight, so I'm overweight. But somebody I'm, but somebody I'm average. did show 27. Did they win you now? Is that how this works? I don't know what's happening. This is a political issue, and people are shouting BS and stupid. Oh, for first of all, can we get a microphone to this lady? Get a get 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 a microphone. To, I'm um, trying to be controversial here, by look, the way, just in case people think I don't I, know my. I am fully aware, <laughs> by the way, that this is that this is a. Uh, a no, no, no. Uh, this is this is good. Put the lady on because the lady. I think it was the lady. That lady is smart. Hi. So I'm Sophie. BMI has repeatedly and constantly been proven to be a inaccurately and actually like factually. BS thing because it states several things as fact when they're actually far more debatable. Like it doesn't take into account muscle and versus bone and fat density versus muscle density. And there's loads of different reasons why it comes into stuff. Um, like I'm not a medical professional, uh, but also like the medical professional industry is also really fat phobic. So like there's a whole thing there about how much of this we can even take as like unbiased stuff because people are fat phobic and therefore the industry is also fat phobic. Give Sophie a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you for that. But we are in the right place because Giles, this is your area of study. So tell us, I suppose, first of all, what is the advantage of having a low BMI and maybe what does is BMI a good enough measure in the first place? So you are absolutely correct. I mean, what, what happens is BMI on a personal basis is it's very, very, it's bad for predicting your personal health because what BMI does is to control your height for your weight, pretty much, okay? But it doesn't take into account what you're made of. It assumes you're like a piece of wood, okay? Homogenous all, all the way through, whereas clearly we're made of fat, we're made of muscle, we're made of a, a, any number of different things. Now, if you calculate... Don't know the, if I can let that go. Really? Did Talk you to just me. say women are fat? We're we made are, of fat. Not I'm going to let that go. We, <laughs> He's trying to get me. Genuinely, <laughs> He's listen to, to get me. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm blushing. I genuinely misheard you. <laughs> A couple of other people heard that. All right. Thank you. Okay. Well, thanks, I didn't thanks mean, women. I didn't mean to say women. We are made of... Fa- so the, the bottom line is, you're right. On an individual basis, it's a terrible thing. However, and this is the big however, on a population level, on a population level, the higher your BMI, the more fat you're likely to have. So it is useful on a population level to see the health of a nation, but it's awful to actually look at an individual and do your personal BMI. Because what? Because your health has to do less with your BMI. In fact, nothing with your BMI really at all. But how much muscle to fat you actually have and where the fat you have is placed. So that so, so you're, abso- you're absolutely um, I'm correct. Right? Before we get you to decide if this is on the short list or not, Stuart, I've got one final question. Because you mentioned there that the position of the fat and where it is yes. is a very important thing. It Can is. You tell us why that's the case. Okay, so um, our body shape is largely down to where we put our fat. Because if you stroke- women are fat, sorry, sorry, my mistake. <laughs> our, bo- our body shape is largely down to where we put our fat. Because if you strip us down to skeletons, we are just skeletons. Whereas, yeah, there we go. But, but, Please, large- but where, but our shape actually does matter. So, in other words, you know, famously, if you're apple shaped, so this tends to be the shape of men. So, if you have a big beer kind of beer belly, you have high and visceral fat, then you have a, you're at a higher risk of, of becoming, um, of getting cardiovascular disease and, and heart attacks. Okay, whereas if you actually carry your fat in a more pear-shaped scenario, so in other words, if you've got a big bum, what, what, the, uh, what your wobble factor in your arms are, where you put your fat, that fat is not linked as much, for example, to cardiovascular disease. So where you put your fat does also matter. So- I've, got a, I've got a big girl's bum, and I'm pretty pleased about it right now, having heard that. There we go, man. Well, maybe that's the answer, actually, because I'm aware that, say, camels put all their fat on their back, partly to avoid having an insulating layer around them. So maybe it's not a question of making us thinner, it's just a matter of putting our fat in the right place. Where would you put your fat? Under the soles of my feet. <laughs> so we get to... Or, or give yourself a booty. Because, you know, it's just, uh, that, that's, where, that's where you really want to put it. Yeah, but if you could choose anywhere, where would yeah. you put it? I'd like it to be sentient and be able to decide where to be around my body, <laughs> such that if I were falling forwards, it all went to the front to act as a sort of fat cushion. <laughs> 
I know where I want to take it off me. I want to take it off my, my face. You see, I have a spherical head, largely because of my pouches on my... I want to remove this, this fat. Oh. So... John, can, can, can I just say something that was a, a, a just 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 so that people don't think I'm fat phobic? I'm not. I study I study obesity. This is this is my day job. Uh, it was meant to bring it up as a yeah. It's the health benefits we're talking about. What yes. is the actually before we move on just to justify that and explain yourself? So ah. You don't get lynched as you leave. Yes. Um, you got two seconds. Make it quick. What do we have to? Why is the real advantage? Why do you want to make people thinner? I think what happens is I, I think at a, as a population we do need to as a population to lose weight. Actually, weight to be healthier, okay? To be healthier, and part of that is going to have to be to lose weight as a population to actually bring it down because it's because the obesity per se is not what's killing us, but all the associated comorbidities, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, certain cancers that are linked with it. So I do think we need to lose weight as a population. Uh, we need to become healthier as a population. So Stuart, now that we've saved Giles' life, is this on the shortlist? I'm a big fan of what Dr. Spherical Head has said. <laughs> and uh, I do like the idea of uh, a kind of uh, a kind of glutinous mobile armor, effectively. So I'm I'm quite excited about it. Do I have to make any decisions now, or can yeah, I? Well, this is the shortlist. Is it on the shortlist or not? It is on the shortlist. I like it. So you've got a new Twitter handle, Giles, and <laughs> this is on the shortlist. Nice one. Anna, you are up. What is your idea? Okay, my idea is to solve two global problems in one. I like this very much. Global problem number one, people are starving. Global problem number two, plastic's in the sea. Hello. Why don't we just eat the plastic? It's bloody good. Okay. It works for fish. Oh, hang on. It works. Um, right, so there are actually some bacteria that have uh, been found that actually consume PET, which is like what most of our water bottles and stuff is made of. That's the stuff that's floating around in the sea. Mm. Bacteria can consume this stuff and break it down. Why don't we put this bacteria into our stomachs so that then we can eat the plastic, break it down in our stomachs, and then there's no more plastics waste? It's a, I think that's an excellent idea. So, so some trans, do a poo transplant. They put, put the bugs up. Uh, so up. we need, yes. If, Let's go into the I don't, I, I don't, I'm not sure which... It's the best way. One way, one way up this way is called a transpusion. The other way is called a crapsule. I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I yes, yes, I know about this because yeah, I yeah, suffer yeah. badly from allergies, and apparently it's a really good cure for allergies is to replace the... It's like a fecal matter transplant. I'm not doing it. I will sneeze quite happily. <laughs> but I've heard that's a real thing. You, it's frozen it's poo pills, and, uh, and it replaces uh, the flora in your digestive tract and I don't know why I'm t speaking to three scientists about this. I don't, I don't and why does it have to be frozen? Actually, read it on BuzzFeed, mate. What? Why does it have to be frozen? Because here's me giving you a choice of two different poo pills. One of them is cold and hard enough that you can't taste it. That's yeah. what she said. Rather than you are thinking about this for altogether too long. <laughs> well, I was kind of hoping it would be encapsulated in some way that I wouldn't be thinking about the. Man, there is not enough capsules in the world. <laughs> so okay, but hold on. Let's go. Let's go back into this. And you're talking about consuming plastics. And yeah, plastics in the ocean is a massive problem. Like, uh, you might not be aware of this, everyone. One of the new nicknames for the stage of the, the geological stage we're living in now is the Plasticine, because for a start, it's a very good pun. And secondly, because they have now found plastics in the Maranaro Trench, and we've coated our planet. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it, because I think whenever the sun expands and we've all wiped out and the, di and, you know, the aliens come, they'll, 
they'll think we've shrink wrapped the place to keep it. I don't. I don't really think this is such a bad. Like this is just the circle of life, right? Plastics were once dinosaurs. So we're just putting the plastics back into the ground. That is phenomenally optimistic. I like this <laughs> idea a lot. I like, the, uh, I like the deftness of solving one problem with another. I'm concerned that if we all start being able to eat plastics, is there a danger at some point that we run out of plastics in the sea? Because everyone's like, mmm, get me those sweet, delicious plastics from the... No, get down to the marinara trench. It's the only plastic left. Well, we'd still be producing plastics to make more, you know... Packaging. That, that'd be everything. great. You could eat a packet of crisps and then fold up the packet and eat the packet. Exactly. So, I mean, there are people that are developing like edible plastics and sort of um, consumable packaging and this kind of stuff. The thing that I don't get about this, maybe this is actually my own theory falling down slightly. Like, obviously, packaging is there to protect the food inside and keep all the nasty bugs out. Ah. So if you're then going to eat all of the packaging and the bugs on it, you'd need some extra good, like, bacteria. You could cut out the middleman by just giving us a bacteria that enabled us to eat food that had gone off, and then we yep. wouldn't need to put it in plastic. Look, is this on the shortlist, Stu? Yeah, 100%. I love it. Okay, we've got two ideas already on the shortlist, but Latitude Festival, I am sure you can do better. Please just tell us your name and tell us what your idea is. Uh, hi there. My name's Jim. I've got a question um, about the human knee. I'm a marathon runner, and uh, last year I suffered a knee injury. I'm just wondering whether you think the human body is, or the human knee is properly designed for uh, the, the rigors of modern life. And I don't mean marathon running. I just mean normal stuff, because a lot of people seem to get knee injuries as they get older. Yeah. And can we genetically modify our knees just to be a little bit stronger? So you want stronger knees, or yeah. knees that are at least a bit more longevity? I'm a man of a certain age. Okay, Jim. Panel, what can we do to improve knees? Well, I don't know that much about evolution and stuff, but I guess the knee has kind of optimized itself as much as it can. So if we're going to optimize it anymore, we're going to start having to put new materials in. And actually, this is interesting, because I saw a friend yesterday who had an awful cycling accident. Now he's fine. Don't worry about it. His knee was smushed into like 30 different pieces. And they tied it all together with a titanium ring and put loads of pins in it. Um, and I said, Chris, why didn't they just give you a whole new titanium kneecap? Why, wouldn't you, why would you bother trying to fuse all of these bits of bone together? And he said, well, bone is still the best material for knees. And if they put titanium in, they'd have to reoperate every 20, 30 years because it would, it would wear out. It wouldn't stand as, as good as bone does. And a fun fact about bones, it follows something called Wolf's Law, which is that it grows in response to a load. So our bones are constantly regrowing and strengthening themselves. So if you want to get stronger knees, you want to do load-bearing exercise as you are doing running because it's actually strengthening your bones in doing that. But, but the, I think the big problem where you're getting your knee problem is going to be because of the cartilage rather than... Is, was it a knee injury or was it a cartilage problem? Uh, I actually uh, tripped over and landed on my kneecap and twisted it out oh. of shape. But oh, okay. So my that's... point was more really that uh, you think the human body is, very, is a very rigorous thing. It can do an awful lot, yet the knees seem to be... In many ways, physically, it's, the weakest. It's, it's, the, it's the weakest in, because of what it has to do. Okay, be, be, yeah, be, yeah. because it has to flex, it has to, to go around. It is optimum to a certain degree. And I think it's probably evolved 
we have probably evolved to now we have probably, we probably live too long now i think this is part of the problem for our knee we have outlived the use uh, the usefulness of our knee particularly if we do things like run the london marathon and i think part of the problem of trying to fix that is going to have to be trying to fix our cartilage and trying to replace our cartilage I, I'm, I'm with you we need something which is better than a kneecap we got time according to rachel for maybe one or two more ideas hi my name is john Right, Four years ago, I was diagnosed with a terminal genetic disorder called EOAFD. Um, it's early onset familial Alzheimer's disease. Realistically, how far away are we from actual gene editing? This is a really hard question, mates. Um, you're obviously in a hard position, but we're probably not going to be able to give you anything, which is great hope. I know gene editing in adults is miles and miles away. Gene editing in fetuses or an embryos is much much nearer but even it is far from perfect Can so I, listen, Giles? I i do think that gene editing in adults meaning changing every gene in a body like us is at the moment now an impossible can we edit genes we can can we edit genes in every single cell we can i think the closest we're going to get to fixing a problem such as uh, uh, such as yours is going to be weaponizing our own cells to sort the problem out. So rather than, once again, we're not there yet, but rather than changing every gene in your body, if we can identify, for example, within the um, an early onset Alzheimer's, within the specific neurons that actually have the problem, and trying to see what the problem is within there, and we can actually weaponize our own immune system, pull out immune cells, change it, inject it back into you to actually do something, that is how we're going to do it. So we're not going to do it by changing um, ourselves. Now, you may choose to say, well, I want to remove it um, from you know that my children will never have it that's a different debate that's a different ethical debate that's going to be more possible but i think these th these areas are mired with um with ethical problems but you're also saying there at least i guess genetic testing is allowing people to to identify their risk factors and things much much earlier would that be right yes is is do you think it has been useful to you so far this kind of um, it's made me value the time i have um, and try to live every day as if it is the last. It sounds so cliche, but it is real. Yes. Um, I'm hopeful for the future, but every day is the last day. Well, I'm afraid we can't help you anymore. Please give John a huge round of applause. Thank you, sir. I've got one final suggestion for you, Stu. This time, this one comes from Mother Nature herself. I think... We should all be like marine iguanas. I'm interested. Because marine iguanas, what they do is they feed on uh, algae and seaweed and things like that. And they get massive amounts of salt in their diet. And to deal with the salt, they sneeze. They sneeze out salt. That is pretty cool. It's also handy if you don't have any when you've got your chips. I mean, I, I very recently, in the last 48 hours, seen my baby sneeze on a load of food and continue eating it. I don't think it was salt he was sneezing. <laughs> yeah, I'm up for that. And isn't there, isn't there an animal, a bird, the Arctic petrel, can uh, squirt oil out of its nose at attackers? So why not use... Actually, let's stick both okay, those together. Okay, let's get a petrel and a marine iguana. I always imagine like something to mix with balsamic vinegar. So you've got your vinaigrette and your salt and a, your... A balsamic <laughs> petrel, not an Arctic one. Yeah. And, uh, and a marine iguana... Yeah. My uh, idiot friend of mine once invented salted vinegar. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense because you'd need to have salt and vinegar and salted vinegar.
I see what you mean. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's not saving anything. <laughs> because you said idiot friend, and that seemed like genius for about three seconds until you... Yeah, that it's on. a good idea unless you think about it. <laughs> yes, fair point. So hold on, is the iguana idea in? Uh, is teaching humans to sneeze salt? No, no, no. That's no. that's not up to snuff. Not with the stuff we've been talking about. Okay. Yeah, the Great British Bake Off of the future would look very strange. And <laughs> <laughs> Twelve people sneezing on the. It, look, it looks pretty strange anyway. Like if you put the sign down, it just looks like people staring at cakes and looking very worried. Like it's very basically that like awaiting judgment. It's the a Great British thing. Cake Anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> now it's transferring to Channel 4, actually. Who knows? Maybe that'll be the rebrand while we're on it. Um, okay, so, Stuart, you've got a couple to choose from. Okay, go hit me, recap. Do you want to make us thinner? Um, and you edited that to allow us to move our fat around. To allow us to consume plastics. It's good. And to somehow have better knees. I'm going to suggest... Uh, we haven't really got a mechanism for that one yet, either, as it's just that the knee needs to be improved. I think it might be the, the fat armour... Because the, what I'm envisaging, at least, is that it's, I mean, it's the sentience that I'm turned on by. Because you'd never be lonely, because you've always got a little inflatable crash mat version of you. And that would resolve the anxiety. Because you'd always have some, you'd be far less worried about stuff going wrong, because you've got your little fat buddy looking out for you. Why do you I, I feel like several <laughs> of you are up for this. But not all of you are up for this. I'm gonna go with <laughs> how, how many how many words do we have to reduce it into in order to be able to put it in the title of this episode? Sentient fat crash mat. <laughs> I think that's done. Thank you. <laughs> I think that's the winner, ladies and gentlemen. Give yourselves a round of applause. And in that case, actually, Giles, this um, this is your idea that Stuart has just destroyed. So, how do you feel to have? Uh, are, are you happy with these amendments? I'm not sure I understand the amendment, but yes, I am. <laughs> I'm very so you, happy with you it. You wanted to make us thinner. Stuart just wants to have a fat buddy. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are at a time. We're going to take that idea and put it into our species. Before we go, I would like you to give our audience here at Latitude a huge thank you and our guests. We've had Giles Yeo, we've had Stuart Goldsmith and Anna Pujaski. This has been Level Up Human. I've been Simon Watt. Thank you and good night. Thank you. That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheelie and supported by the Wellcome Trust. This episode was created with the help of the Society for Endocrinology, a world-leading authority on hormones. For more information, go to leveluphuman.com. Hello, Level Up Human listeners. I'm Barry McStay. And I'm Ben Vandeveld. And we'd love you to listen to Worst Foot Forward, our podcast all about failure. Each week, we are joined by a guest to discuss the world's worst something. From superhero to astronaut, psychological treatment to mythical creature, we dive into humankind's darkest depths in search of the absolute pits. We've even got an episode featuring Level Up's host, Simon, sharing astonishingly grim facts about the worst parasites in the world. It's a menagerie full of cookie-cutter sharks, tongue-eating insects, and Tasmanian devils having a horrible time. On Worst Foot Forward, we've learned why rocks aren't really hard, why lacrosse can cause military catastrophes, and what cheese pairs best with seagull wine. While also uncovering hordes of rampaging mink, brothels shaped like vaginas, and why Pac-Man is the sexiest bunch of pixels you've ever set eyes on. Subscribe to Worst Foot Forward on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow us on Twitter, at Worst Foot, and join us for some fun-filled zero worship. (laughs) 
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.